It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Alec trying to steer around, picked off, centered, they score! Back over to Manny, splits the defense, his shot, he scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington, on collision, VL, centering feed, they score! This is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Welcome to another edition of CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, American Hockey League affiliate of the NHL San Jose Sharks. Nick Nolenberger here as I welcome in my co-host, Joey Goldstein. Goldie, what's going on? I feel like I say the same thing every single time we get on here. It's just, uh, it's more of the same, really, you know, enjoying life back home. Uh, weather's been good. Got out to Boston this weekend, which was nice. Uh, playing a lot of golf getting a lot of time in on the course, not getting any better, but uh, having fun regardless. How about you? Doing pretty good. You know, hanging in. A, I think we could record the first two minutes of this podcast and just have a kind of a set generic uh, recording that we could input every week because it seems like it's uh, Groundhog Day every every week with these episodes. But things are going good. Can't complain. Waiting for the weather to start turning around. I'm looking outside my window and it's completely fogged in. It's been a little bit chilly and doesn't burn off to like two or three, but I guess if that's uh, if that's my only complaint, uh, then life ain't ain't too bad. So yeah. um, we got a good guest on hand today. We got co-coach Jimmy Bono. What's up, Bones? How are you? I'm good, Noli. I'm good. How you been? Everything's good. Everything's good. Just just hanging in there. Uh, there's no waves right now, so no surfing for me for the last like two weeks. But have been trying to uh, take advantage of uh, just just the surrounding area. Been going on lots of hikes. Went up to Big Sur um, on Saturday. So yeah, things are good. How about yourself? No, same thing really. Uh, you know, when I moved in, people were talking about uh, oh, did you get to enjoy the Bay Area this or that? Then you're moving into a new place. You got a new job. You're coaching a team for the first time. It's like I know I've heard it's beautiful, but I don't have time to look at the Bay Area too much. And now I guess that excuse is uh, completely gone. I've had nothing but time to go around with and look at the nature, look at the sights. There's a lot that I need to do, maybe a little more and more north of the Bay too. And, uh, uh, you know, Napa area or like up even more north or Tahoe. I haven't done either, but uh, going south, like you said, Big Sure, Carmel, and you know everything in that area. I'm pretty familiar. It's a quick dip to Santa Cruz. You said there's no sun there, though, so I might not go today. It's sunny here over the mountain. I don't know, but yeah, I've been zipping to the beach quite a bit, uh, working out, having you know, keeping in shape, reading a few books, trying to get some of that done and yeah they're definitely not the same pace that we have in season but trying to stay sane so i gotta ask you going to big sir i hadn't been in in a couple years but you forget how kind of intimidating and how it can almost take your breath away when you're going along that windy road and you seem like you're several hundred feet above the ocean on a straight cliff was that the first time you had driven that road and um were you a little bit nervous when you were gripping the steering wheel so it was it's funny because like Going down and stuff, I kept, I was driving, I kept wanting to look over because it's so beautiful and everything. And then I was like, ah, oh, I guess I've 
better keep you know keep the eyes on the roads first time driving this road i've heard it's pretty pretty swervy and the long cliffs and and it is but uh it's really like when i end up turning to get to like where i was gonna stay for a campsite like up in the mountains really climbing up the mountains and uh, up the ridge and stuff that was like okay if i thought that the first one was a little nerve-wracking before this is this is nerve-wracking like this is up above the cloud you're looking and there's no railing no guards nothing it's about a one and a half track wide so you do you want you do not want to meet a car in the middle of one of those tough places you're gonna have to work together to get through it but uh so that was a little worse keep the eyes on the road really there's nothing there's nothing to worry about you sent some pretty cool pictures did you go into it just kind of saying this is going to be an adventure we're going to just see where, where it takes us or did you have an agenda and a plan the split of both things like i just i'm not a big camping guy uh but here again like with all the situation and all the stuff that's within two or three hours like quick like day trips and stuff like this i've always felt like you know, it'd be practical and the weather is just completely different, you know, not humid. So it's, it's a lot more comfortable. And so, uh, idea was to zip down to Big Sure and a friend of mine had, uh, you know, I'd asked a few friends for small tips, like of the do's and don'ts, but kind of just winged it and it ended up, uh, ended up being pretty cool. Does the, the years of going on camping trips with Roy, so the, does that help you at all when you're going on these, uh, on these excursions you could call I'd say I'd say if one helped me more would be the uh when I used to go on like music festivals like uh when I was back when I was a player in the summer or something like that do the same thing like just fill the truck and put a tent in there and zip up with my buddies and spend four or five days and you know go back so kind of know how to prepare for it and like how to get the charcoal grill going and live with like no electricity just because you don't you don't need it or or it is there is some near nearby or something that you're not gonna you're not gonna need it but uh so that probably prepared me for it a little bit the ones with roy yeah Probably. I mean, some guys pull their weight more than other in some of these things. Some guys are very good at sitting by the campfire and watching water, like empty bottles of water pop, see like which one's going to explode first to make the noise instead of putting stuff up. So uh, it just depends what crew you are. But yeah, I guess it helps a little bit. You were talking about all the different, uh, you know, the things you can do when you're living in the, the Bay Area, all the access to so many different things, the mountains, the beaches, all that. Would you say so far, Big Sur is your favorite of all those places you've seen? It's pretty spectacular. Uh, it, it, yeah, it would probably it probably be that. I, I mean, at the same time, like all of the coast of California has their their own things that, like you know, if you were to say like I'm coming and I got just time to see it, it's hard to really pick. Like we've seen how nice like. By being in San Diego quite a bit, how beautiful the sites can be there. Obviously, Southern California, down Venice, Santa Monica, Malibu. And then, like, Big Sur is a whole other scenery. Carmel is beautiful. Santa Cruz, like, the boardwalk is something to see. Davenport's beautiful all the way up. So, really, you know, that's, that's the luxury is to live here and be able to do the whole thing. If I had to pick one, I guess you'd, you'd have to roll with either just a straight up beach or yeah, beach or big sure you get kind of the whole package. Uh, but it's a little further away. It's a little bit more in an adventure to get to. I got to ask, you mentioned grilling. When you go on a camping trip, what type of uh, things are going to be on the menu for you? Are you, you kind of a hot dogs guy, keep it simple, or are you 
are you grilling up something pretty good? Keep it simple a lot of time, but uh, I think this time it was just dogs. I'm thinking next time just to throw maybe like a, a salmon fillet or something on there and try to pick it that try to see how that is. And so like to keep it so just when you come back the next day, super dirty and everything, you don't have the dog sitting in the stomach on top of it just to make it the perfect next day. That's quite the, uh, that's quite the step up from hot dogs to a salmon fillet. Well, you just, I feel like if you cook, you cook it on coals, you just throw it on there. At one point, it's going to be ready and you just pick off of it, right? That's camping. You're not fancy. I'm not sure that you, I think you saw a presentation a little fancier than what I have in mind here. Hey, you may not even need a plate for that. You can just get a fork and just, like you said. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, kind of like, yeah, the guys who go fishing back home, they do it all the time. They just, they, they get some trout so they catch some trout and they just they just fire it up right there on the side of the lake so we were talking about trying to uh, record tomorrow but you have actually uh, i think you do this on a weekly basis but you go to a boxing gym which is um is unique in the sense that you know you had a long career that was based a lot around being a, a tough physical player and dropping the mitts and yet you're retired here and you're still still doing it still kind of throwing throwing on the gloves and, and still throwing punches is, is there still, clearly there's still a passion for it. And, you know, what do you enjoy about still doing that at this point? It's about everything that I love about it. I love the fight game in general. I'm a fan, whether it's uh, mixed martial arts, you know, UFC or, or boxing. I've been from way back growing up. There was some, there was some local talent in Quebec uh in boxing world champions that then led into the rise of uh, gsp which like george st pierre for people who don't know which was a french canadian who's he's, i believe he's 38 or 39 at the moment so three four years older than i am i saw him fight in the small shows when i was uh playing in montreal in junior when i was 17 he was like 20 like before he was in the ufc saw him again in the ufc so like that rise was big you know all of that gave me a, a big love for the fight game and the fact that i played that that rugged style too you know it just kind of complemented each other uh get in the gym work some of the techniques and and get the extra workout uh and now that it's moved past my career you know there's want to stay in shape want to keep moving uh obviously we got gyms that are you know available in the room a lot and stuff like this but wanted to mix it up find a little bit of a challenge i'm not looking to fight or or to put any extra damage uh but you know just to keep challenging myself try to get better there's so much technique into boxing or martial arts in general i'm I focused most, mostly on boxing uh whether it's the footwork the handwork you know balance uh some of it relates to hockey some doesn't but it's, it's a passion and you know clearly my mind. I feel like there's a lot of guys, I mean, in in the hockey world who take up, you know, boxing classes, especially guys who play the same kind of style of game you played. But I think you brought a couple guys or you have brought a couple guys to your gym to kind of put them through a couple classes. What's that experience like for those guys? I would assume this may be their first time doing something like that. So how do they kind of approach it when they when they go with you? Uh Hum, a lot of lot of them find it humbling. You get into a gym, you're you're big and athletic, but you know the basics are are are, are when they're not mastered, you you can't you can't just go over the ABCs in anything. There's sports where you look like a complete fool if you try to for, for the first time. Hockey being one of them. If you don't know how to skate, you you may be a you know a great athlete. Your your coordination and your balance is completely off. Well, in boxing, it can be similar. But the, the the guys that 
that I bring because of being some of our players already come with a uh, with a good athleticism background and stuff like this. They're in shape, their cardio's up. They they do have some of the basic instincts for it, so they're pretty good. But they're still like when the technique comes into play, like that's where they realize that's where the the, the humbling part comes in. But they usually by the end of one session, they've gotten kind of the concept of it a little bit. They're starting to kick in some little techniques, some basic. What's a one, two, three? What's a you know up? Well, where what where are we going with this? Uh, if the person's holding the pad, like where 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 I'm throwing basic combo. Obviously, like a lot of guys throw with a lot of arms and you know not much not not much legs or not much movement or zero defense behind it. So that's probably the the main thing about hockey player. They get zero defense when they get in the gym. I'm not great at with it either. So they're 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 humble but good. And if they want to stick with it, they have the chance to get better. That being said, it's a tough sport to take at a later age and just say I'm going to become a boxer even if you're a good athlete it's got a lot of mess, muscle memory and details technique in it are you having players come up to you and ask you about fighting techniques or are you kind of isolating specific players who have that in their repertoire and kind of working with them one-on-one how does that kind of get to the point where they're going to the gym with you yeah it's it's very much them kind of bringing it up obviously like uh so I don't want to get like it's you know fighting is not what we do it it happens in the game of hockey but it's not what we do that's not what we teach uh and so it's on their basics to them if they want to if they feel that it's going to raise their confidence if it's going to if it's something that they want to do just to to do some extra to because they're curious they want to see it not being hockey related or if it's in a matter that they want to get some confidence some techniques a little bit that they think is going to translate to hockey fighting you know i'm never going to turn them down on questions i'm not gonna i'm there for anything that they may have to ask or want but i'm not going to push them toward it so but once i see that there's an interest or there's something then I'm going to try to facilitate the uh the opportunity for them to either come with me or me putting them in touch with with someone who's good you know like Bergie never came with me last year but I know he's he was boxing on uh, on his own in his uh in his neighborhood at a little gym and yeah guys have an intrigue I think uh now especially there was a lot of eyeballs on the UFC when the sports was sports was gone maybe there's even more people who are going to have a little in, uh, interest in uh in it you know see more the sports aspect of it than just the violence aspect of it so you you mentioned ufc and i i'm pretty sure the gym that you go to kind of is a mix of boxing and mixed martial arts growing up kind of at the same time gsp was so big did you ever buy mixed martial arts did you ever consider getting uh into the mix and using that as part of your training or is that just something that never crossed your mind yeah i i trained with a couple of guys back when i was on prince edward island it's it's funny like oh again it's a circle and and in uh in canada in the smaller places a lot of time the the higher level athletes that you see the most or the more at the forefront or that are more in numbers are the hockey players but then that doesn't mean that there's not other great athletes in, in the in the area they just don't get the same coverage so when you end up mixing up with these people you know they kind of know you and then you you can realize immediately how good they are at something you're showing interest and it kind of goes full circle so it was the same thing i went to the boxing gym with a couple of hockey players at the time i wasn't a coach i was a young player it rolled into some of the fighters being there knowing you know one of the hockey guy that says like hey come in here like i need someone showing like and then when that's the thing is when you get on the person level 
personal friend level there uh, and you got someone at a, at, at a caliber so much higher, you can help them by helping them, motivating, pushing, you know, the, the pace of thing, doing what they're asking you to do. They, they're going to put themselves at handicap to produce situation. But then you pretty much start having, start having a full-time personal coach because their level is so much higher that they, they guide you into everything they need. But so uh, that's how it started. And uh, so I, I did it quite a bit of my training, probably until I got my knee injured. Uh, when I got to Worcester, uh, was part of my training in the summer. But no, never like towards like taking a fight or being fully committed to that. Like hockey has been from a, from the time I was four years old, it was the only focus until I retired, and then it remained the focus. So it seems like there's a correlation between guys who have careers in which they play an enforcer role and then getting into coaching. You can look right up top with Bob Bookner. You can look at Craig Berube in uh, St. Louis. Is there a connection there? Why do you think guys who filled that role during their playing career then ought to move into the coaching side of things once they're done? Well, I think uh, I think the the ones who tend to rise like that and get the longevity in the enforcer role, uh, there's a selflessness that needs to be involved. Like you're you're not you're competing. As a team, you're competing for the same goals with the guys. Yet, like in a game-to-game basis, you know, the, ma- the mindset can be very different. When the game is on the line, you're most likely definitely not on the ice. Uh, you're not really fighting for ice time. And you kind, if you want to do it well, you got to make your players sit safer around you. So you kind of need to have an outlook, like an out- like looking over everything. Is everything okay, right? Like, I guess if you want to, yeah, there's stuff some stuff that's blatant if you're going to go stick up for a teammate on a on a vicious you know strike or something like that but there's stuff that's a little bit more underlying sometimes sometimes and uh uh, that's how i think sometimes enforcer you know end up being part of the leadership group they have a fairly they had a big presence in the in the dressing room they were involved and even if they weren't playing every game they weren't getting the highest the salaries necessarily on the team they weren't they they used to be valued probably in the same way that they were they were popular in the stand fans were you know were paying them back kind of the same way uh uh i think they they get to the opportunity to stay in hockey for the role they provided to to others and then beyond that or in the names of the guys that you said at the very least really excelled at it I mean two seasons in now you know behind the bench what are your thoughts I mean how do you like it what are your what are your thoughts on after kind of now being a little bit more established than probably the last time we talked about uh well it it, it's been volatile uh two years with all the movement especially this year and everything so definitely uh learning and you know a lot of having to uh react to a lot of thing and just kind of go based on instinct prepare so that you know the instincts are the best possible but when it goes quick you got to be ready when things change you got to think on your feet so i think two two years is a good is a good time to like learn some aspect of the job and then and then you really like then it's really a matter of perfecting it you know working on efficiency and player communication and uh 
you know, getting a beat on everything. Pushing your message by by doing it on a more individual basis with the player instead of just hammering one message, trying to like find out how to communicate it to each and everyone. Everybody uh, learns different. Everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. So those are the thing I think that now is really the main focus. It's not to recognize what's coming at you on the forecheck or, you know, how to break out. That's also important. X's and O's are a part of it, but there's just efficiency and, and player relations and stuff like this right now is number one for me as uh, where I'm looking to grow. You mentioned instincts and when you and Chaser took over as co-coaches, you know, once Roy was called up to the NHL, your role increased in many aspects, but one being that you were making the calls on the bench and, and people talk about having that presence on the bench. It's almost kind of an, it seems like an innate thing. It's kind of built in someone to have that feel. You mentioned instincts. Was that something that came naturally to you or did it feel like a few games before you kind of got a rhythm on, you know, when to make line changes, who to put on the ice and just having that general feel? The, mostly, mostly it feels pretty natural. Like you're not trying to get in your way anyway. You're not trying, like definitely wasn't trying to overcomplicate it. We're looking to, for a team that we can play, we, we, could roll four lines and four lines mentality anyway so just kind of go with it the thing that happens is again like i said like preparation so your instincts are better so that like you feel like you've been there so you know what's there it, it can be it, it can go multiple layer deep and something may not happen for x game but but the one time where like you know you go from a, a, a four on four on four penalty to then another team takes another one it becomes a four on three that then's going to end up to a five on four you don't you want to keep the flow you don't want to lose like players like sitting for too long and you want to realize that so like first time if it doesn't happen you may like somewhat get lost or we're like oh, okay like where was i with with this then you make sure the next game you're like you, you have you know combos or like little sequence written down or you you put down which one like has been put on your game card you make sure that like to put a note aid to aid yourself like taking those mistakes away so uh uh yeah like you know the players would be a good one to ask on there because they're the one reacting it's i think it's easier when you receive it than when you're saying everything and trying to overview the whole thing but um i think it went pretty well it was pretty instinctive like you say like you're if you lived in on a hockey bench and i've spent some times on the bench uh you just kind of fall back to your instinct so far in your you know the two years you've been behind the bench coaching what has been the most rewarding experience so far what's the most maybe the most memorable moment you've had behind the bench some guys that have paid their dues and got the call to go play up in the nhl some guys have like you know and the reaction to everyone is is very much personal and you know but some guys you can tell that they're just kind of realizing a dream and then they go up and they have a little success, you know, or, or, you know, we start seeing them regularly across the hall. They're not with us anymore. Like, that's pretty rewarding. Like, there's been a lot of fun things, you know, obviously. Uh, Roy getting named to the All-Star team last year on our first season. I'm a big Roy guy. Like, he was my coach. I consider a friend. Uh, that was awesome. And, you know, looking back, but as you say, like, I'd probably say, like, I remember when we called up Truzy uh, this year to tell him that he was going, he was going up. 
uh, I believe it was at the Super Bowl party or something like that. Like that was that was cool. That was a cool time. Like he did this guy uh, from my day one of coaching. He had been with us. He'd been he'd been a real a real pro. You guys know you're around him. Nice guy, humble, put in the work. So when you get to tell him that he's going to the NHL and he's going to make his NHL debut, that's pretty special. Latunov was the same thing this year. Like hold him in the airport and you see the faces on the guys turn. It's pretty emotional. It, it, they're happy and we are happy. It's pretty rewarding. I know I can speak for myself. When these guys go up, you you almost become a fan. Could you say the same thing for yourself? You go from being a coach to being a fan when you when you watch these guys get that call and then get to realize a dream? Oh, absolutely. And like that's where too you see the respect, right? That the work that these guys put in and everything. Like we're all the same. Like we're all professional. We're all hungry. We're and when you're in the one team, everybody has going to be there. Days where like things are grinding them, and days where they're moves is through the roof like stuff like this and you get so you know it's a say when you get to when you're too close to it sometimes you don't see it as much so it's almost like we're proud of them obviously we're with them we're happy but you don't see all the, the all the work and everything I see that's put in because you're all doing it together and when they they make it and they get to that next level and you get a little distance with them again you really starts to appreciate like all they do and the fact that you see them having some level of success at the NHL level is you know it's reward for us it's like it's motivating to go right back down into our dressing room the next day and be and put in the work see, to be like see like you guys are good enough like this guy was just was just there with you like it, it's the uh, it's really how this um the the, the 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 scale goes you know things change it's not exactly it doesn't go directly based off the draft order two years prior or three years prior it's whoever puts in the work whoever develops their game whoever grows whoever you know response to uh um coaching and to, to to teaching and whoever like finds an identity grabs a job and goes all in for it won't take won't won't take any thought yeah I, I remember I mean normally we don't get like a, an insight really on on what it's like those conversations when you guys have you talk to these guys and tell them they're going to get to go play up in the show but I remember distinctly early in the season when Blitchy got his recall him he came out of the coach's office after a game him and Truzy went down like that the little walkway like where our team goes to take the ice and the two of them were just jumping up and down screaming they were both so happy and to see Truzy so happy for his friend who and Truzy hadn't gotten the call yet at that point I could only imagine what it was like when when Truzy got that uh got that call and had that same realization moment it's got to be pretty cool I just think you know for for mm-hmm. everybody I guess I'll I'll tell you a little story about uh, something like that because uh, Barracuda fans out there from the beginning will be able to relate. My last year playing in the American League in Worcester, the year before the Cuda came over, when Brian Lurg got, got recalled. And Lurgy was a little different situation because Lurgy was an older player at that point. I want to say that Lurgy was 30 or 29 or 30. Uh, and I, I'd never gotten a recall. I'd gotten some injuries before and no work. I'd uh, work hard in uh, in Worcester that year. We had a team. Uh, we kind of had a brand new team. We di- didn't have much expectation. We ended up making the playoff. He captained the team. He was new. Uh, we had a great relationship. Like immediately, me and him gelled. We and Jay Mack who came back to us a little bit later in the year. And when he got recalled to the Sharks at the very end of the year, I was like, I I already had my uh, my NHL package on hook or something like that. So for some reason, I couldn't get the Sharks game at home. But there's a Buffalo Wild Wing and Worcester just up the street so I go there 
And at the exact same time was a uh, was a Bruins game, and it may have been Monday Night Football or something like that. So, like, for me to ask for the Sharks game, like, on one of the TV, it wasn't very popular. But they still put it to me. And then Lurgy scored on a pass from Cooch. And, like, I was so, like, into it. It was literally, like, I was in my living room, and the pass does get a touchdown or something. Or, like, just yell, like, in there, like, we're sorry for swearing on the podcast. But I, and I just kind of turn around and realize, like, wow, I'm in public. but. Yeah, it just it's like so it's strong, man. The bond bonds of teammates can go really, really deep. And I know that Blitchy and uh, Truzy are close friends, both from uh, both from back home, and it goes a long way. So I can only imagine how they celebrated with their best friends, with their roommates, when they get the news and go home. So it should be fun. Very exciting stuff. Would you say that was one of the toughest transitions initially when you retired? You joined the scouting department before joining the Barracuda, but would you say that was one of the toughest transitions? You're no longer in the locker room, so you no longer have that camaraderie with teammates. And now, especially when you're on the scouting side, you're almost kind of a lone wolf by your by yourself. Now you're part of a, a coaching staff. But was that one of the toughest transitions, kind of leaving the locker room? Yeah, for sure it was. And it didn't last so long, but there's, yeah, there's definitely like, you don't realize it until you're gone how much like you're like, oh my God, like everything that I do is like through the team or through like with the other guys. Like now, like I, I have to make decisions for my, for and about myself a little bit more. And I have to like, look at a few things. For example, like I didn't have a family doctor. I had a team doctor. <laughs> so like when you go, once you're done, like you're like, all right, something hurts. Or like, you just let it hurt. So like, well, why do you? do that well i don't have a team doctor anymore so my yeah there's a there's a few adaptations that doesn't sound very mature but i'm sure that like it just makes it like at first to me it made sense then you make the adaptations but and with the boys it's the same thing like you're just like how do like like i feel too it's tuesday night i feel like i want to go to movie theater and like nobody does I'm like how about that i never had that happen before like tuesday night is great movie night like you know so, so of course so like so it's just different when you fall back into like a lot lot of people just in, in complete family lives and you're 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 doing your own you're really like you're starting your own circle of friends and stuff like this you still have work but as of the dressing room it's like it, it, it's boring it's just there you don't have to, to make it you you show up and it's there for you so be a good person and the guys will embrace you you'll have a great time you you mentioned the name real quick and i i, I don't want to brush over it nick's sitting there wearing his brown sweater but and he gave me the green light to talk about it before we hopped on but i do want to talk about the patriots just briefly because there's i know you're a big patriots fan we talk about it pretty much every monday or tuesday after games we we kind of recap what went on but what are your thoughts on obviously the the big quarterback battle now between cam newton coming in and, and jared stidham i mean I it's hard like I pretty much all there has been to do is to watch like first take or undisputed or whatever show that like you're in that they just argue every time and then you're like I feel like they're even changing their opinions from show to show because they have nothing else to talk about and so they need to like re, re uh, revisit a bunch of topics all the time I mean obviously I don't I don't know it's hard it's like Belichick knows what he does if he thinks that Stidham has what it takes and he knows the system and he knows his stuff better then you know by all means go in if it doesn't work you have a former MVP there but if they don't play exhibition game and they go solely on like you know probably who can rally the troops who the, who the players would rally around the quickest or who has like experienced talent the package really that is there it'd be 
Newton and and the guy is still so young and is an animal if he can stay healthy I mean I don't I don't think it's a huge gamble to uh, try and see what's there so I gotta ask you when Tom left down south to Tampa did a little bit of your heart go with him or you patch true blue doesn't matter who's under center yeah hundred percent of my heart went with it like that and probably the same thing for Joe Joey was like born and raised in Boston it's like it's not just that it's it's the last 20 years and I'm 35 so like and NFL football does matter in my life for just about as long as Tom Brady has been playing I mean I did have a Drew Bledsoe patch jersey before that so I started with the Bledsoe era but uh, I would say that that this was short-lived I had a little time too where when I was young I did like the Broncos for a little flash too when Terrell Davis and Elway they were winning it's because they were the most the team that was the most on TV right because in the in Quebec the NFL and in my household wasn't wasn't as big so uh so yeah obviously like some some of it left but it's it's fast through and true but don't ask me like if the one o'clock game is the path and the four o'clock game is Tampa Bay you know what I'm going to be watching at four if at one o'clock uh the Pats are playing I might swap to see what Tom's doing a couple of times but I'll be on the Pats game and the Pats will run up the score on the Browns anyway so we'll be able to switch over why do you got to take shots at the Browns <laughs> well, well, we don't have anything to do with that you mentioned it you say 20 years that you guys have been good and you you talk about your pro hockey career and just adjusting to life after your career you guys are seriously going to have to alter your lifestyles moving forward if you can't have the success that you've been accustomed to i mean you have been I ordered a Tom Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey. I will. I'm not afraid to admit that it come, it's it was supposed to be shipped uh, next week and that got pushed to next month. But I got one coming, so I still support the guy. But if he's playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I hope he loses. Okay, fair. Because that was going to be my my follow up question. Are, are you still are you hoping that he wins football games? If if he goes on and wins a Super Bowl, are you going to be happy? Absolutely, as long as he's not beating the Patriots. Okay, okay. That's all I care about. Yeah. I respect that. Well, we've got we've got sports coming up because the NHL returns on August first. Bones, you excited for for some hockey to return? We, we, you're saying you're watching right. first take every day. Listening, no offense, but listening to Max Kellerman every day screaming, I'd be pulling my hair out. Yeah, I mean it's funny too because Max is absolute shows no respect to hockey whatsoever. That being said, we talked about the fight game earlier, and he's been like in the TV in the fight game for 20 years, and he's really good at the fight game. Now he's just an instigator for me on uh, on his show, which is what he does. And yeah, it does get cringy, absolutely. And it's what like Stephen A. Molly's the only one that's really got the class, where that's always nice and there and not annoying. The other ones are always annoying but um yeah i mean it's it is it is cringy at one point we need real news we need real we need real hockey like same thing like podcast and everything like things are running out and it always turns comes back to the coronavirus which obviously is massive it's important but it's we've been you know we've been it's all we've been hearing for four months and it's there and it's serious and I'm all about to everybody, you know, taking precautions, taking it seriously, make, making this thing go away, do whatever is asked in your, you know, in your state or in your country or where you're at. But I'm looking forward to have something else on TV. If that's what I want to watch, I can watch it. But when I want sports, I want sports. Like, I'm really excited. And when hockey starts, uh, I think Patrick Kane said, like, I think it's going to have a little kind of March Madness vibe where, like, you might just be able to watch kind of hockey every day, all day, every day. And at, right now, that's what I'm ready for. I'm all out of Netflix. So 
hockey's gonna be great. I saw the the schedules that they released yesterday for like the first five days of August, and it's literally from at least Eastern time from twelve p.m. to ten thirty p.m. There's gonna be a game on pretty much all day, mm-hmm. um, and I know we've seen at least in baseball, probably more than any sport so far, kind of what that environment's going to look like without fans. So I'm interested to see how hockey treats it versus how basketball treats it and then eventually how football treats it because now they're all coming out and saying, you know, we're going to have no fans or it's going to be very limited. So seeing how different teams in the leagues kind of take advantage of how they're broadcasting the game, how they're going to showcase sponsors and how they're going to try to change some of the access that you normally wouldn't be able to get to, to the teams and players. I think that'll be pretty cool to see how all that unfolds. I think so too. Uh, I think so too. I, I, I mean, the, the, it's going to be more for the players to get used to it and the coaches and stuff like I feel like the TV productions and stuff, I mean, if anything, they've probably known, hey, we're, when we kick back, we, there's going to be no fan. Like, how can we make it attractive to the viewers and stuff? They probably, they might they might hit a, a road bump and switch strategies and some things, like depending on like what people say. Like like in baseball, I, I know the fake crowd noise are not for everybody. And like, it, it just kind of depends. You make little adjustments as you go. But I think I think for the viewing experience, I think they're going to end up making it, making it good. I think it's going to be, I mean, look at the way they make video games these days. I'm pretty sure they can make some, they can make a hockey game look decent. Then they said they got to have the five uh, five second delay for language or something like that. Yeah, how do you but, feel like, about- but like there is a lot of like talking on the ice, not just chirping. Like there's constant talking and stuff like this. And if if they're not gonna do something to like push push that down and like just leave like the sound effect of the game. I mean, there's gonna be just no game, no sound coming from the game at all. I think like I'm pretty sure there's a bad word said every 10 seconds in a hockey game it, it, among the 50 people that are involved in it were 50 some with the reps and the, especially with the reps involved. So yeah, I, I get why they're doing that, but I also think like if they kept it like uncensored or at least offered that as like you can stream through the NHL website to, to see an uncensored version. I feel like that would generate a lot of buzz and I feel like people would be really interested in to watch that. I mean, obviously, you know, Especially in the podcast era, right? Like where like people seem to thrive towards like, hey, like I get to pick. Oh, I like this because it's uncensored and it's raw. Like and people talk how oh, 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 they talk or, it, or, or you get the real sound bite. They go towards that. If someone says like that makes my ear cringe, I'm not watching that. So I guess that the podcast is a little bit more freedom and what's put in your TV is a little bit more like uh, pushed at you. But I'm kind of with you. Uh, like when, when you see it slip like in, in a parade or in something like that, I don't think people that are that offended. Now, if it was too much or if... You know, because I don't think, like I say, it's bad language, but it's not for the most part. Like, it's not like it's not bad things that are said. There's some guys who may cross the line and chirping and stuff like this. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully that keep being pushed out of the game. But, uh, uh, yeah, like really, it's either it can be funny chirps or it can be just kind of intense, like groaning, groaning, got people getting into it. Like intensity can be some argument between teammates. It definitely brings an, uh, an aspect that people would absolutely love to see. I think I just don't know if they can. 
Yeah, I don't know if I've read anything about it yet, but I have a, a big feeling that this has to do something with the Players Association. I, I just don't think the players are on board for what they're saying on the ice to get out because immediately after the game, they're going to be asked a million questions about the conversation with X players. So that's that would be my guess. One last question. One question for me to finish it up, Bones. I won't ask you to predict the Stanley Cup winner, but give us a prediction for who will be in the final. So give us a, a Western Conference and an Eastern Conference champion. Wow, wow, wow. You know what? I'm going to – it's going to be a different uh, different type of way. So I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with an ex-coach of mine that's got nominated for the Jack Adams this year, Alain Vigneault in, uh, in Philly. Uh, and I'm going to go – you know what? what? I'm going to give St. Louis a chance to repeat. So St. Louis, Philly. Two dangerous teams. I mean, the youngster. I can't say St. Louis, Boston again, Joey. I cannot say St. Louis, Boston again, like you probably <laughs> thought I was going to say. Thank you. <laughs> your, this is your time to shine. You absolutely could. Yeah, no, no, because I, well, obviously, you know, I'm a big Bergeron guy too. And, but no, I'm, uh, I'm, I think, I think if, if Philly has a, has a year where they, they just kind of come out of nowhere and do it, this, this could be the year. And I could be totally wrong. That's a good dark horse. I think Philly sometimes gets, uh, forgotten about at times. They've got, got more than enough talent. They got the young goaltender, though, Carter Hart. That, uh, that would be quite the story if he could get that group all the way to the final. But, uh, anything else from you, Joey, before we let Bones go? No. That's all I got. We talked about a lot. We did. We did. I think we, we could keep on going. So uh, we'll have to get you on again. Um, we are trying to fill the airwaves at this point uh, with, uh, with different various things. So, Bones, we can't thank you enough, man. Good to see you. Uh, happy you're doing well. And hopefully uh, we're all back together in the very near future. Sounds good, guys. Take, uh, guys, take care of yourself. And if you need anything from me, let me know. So thank you again to Jimmy Bottle for joining us on the latest episode of Cuda Confidential. Wonderful to hear from him and great to hear that he is doing well and staying safe. Since the last time we spoke to you all a couple weeks back, the team did have a bit of news that broke. Barracuda announced just the other day they have re-signed forward Evan Weinger for the 2020-21 season to a one-year AHL contract. Last year, Weinger, 38 games played. He had nine goals, 11 assists, good for 20 points. Also a plus 12 rating, which was the best among all Barracuda forwards. Just two fewer points than he accumulated the year prior, his rookie season, despite playing in 22 less games. And Weinger, a great penalty killer on the group and arguably one of, if not the fastest skaters in all the AHL's Pacific division. I would put Weinger at the top of my list in any race in the division. I have never seen him get caught once over his first couple of years with the club. So good to see Weinger coming back for a third year. Steady progression in his game. Made a big leap this past season. Excited to see what he can do in year number three. Probably the biggest news in all the world of hockey is the return of hockey. The wait is finally over, folks. On August 1st, the NHL will return. It's got the best of five playing games. It's also got the round robin games. And we've got quite a bit of Barracuda alumni who will be participating in the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. Eight former Barracuda players 
are on NHL playoff rosters. Alex Stalock with the Minnesota Wild. He is expected to back up Devin Dubnik. Also on that roster is Capo Kakinen, who is the AHL's top goaltender. We saw him a few times with the Isle Wild. He should be the third goaltender, but Stalock, former Shark, former Barracuda netminder, really put together quite a year with Dubnik being out for an extended period of time. They'll play Vancouver. Game one is Sunday, August 2nd, 7.30 p.m on NBCSN. Troy Grosnick and Colin Blackwell, former Barracuda players. Blackwell never played any games with the Sharks. Grosnick played a couple, but they are now members of the Nashville Predators. Grosnick will back up both Pecorino and UC Saros. We'll see if he gets any action even dressing, but he is with the club. He is in Edmonton, part of the traveling party with the Predators. Blackwell has carved out himself quite a little career. He is expected to be on the roster, and I would not be surprised if he was in game one against the Coyotes on Sunday, August 2nd. That is an 11 a.m. start on USA Network. Also, former Barracuda players in the playoffs, Dylan DeMello with the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets, they have the Calgary Flames in game one on Saturday, August 1st. That's a 7.30 start on NBCSN. Ryan Carpenter, former Barracuda and Shark, now a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. The Hawks, they've got the Edmonton Oilers, their first game of their best of five series, Saturday, August 1st at 12 p.m. on NBC. Barkley Goodrow, part of the Tampa Bay Lightning, they have a bye for the first best of five series, so we won't see him in the first quote-unquote round, but we will see him in the second round, still waiting uh, his club's opponent, but they'll have a seeding game uh, against the top four teams, so we will see Goodrow at some point before the playoffs officially get underway. Danny O'Regan, he is on the New York Rangers roster. Spent all of this past season in Hartford with their American League affiliate. New York, they'll get underway with Carolina. Game one, Saturday, August 1st. 9 a.m. start is that one on NBCSN. And Buddy Robinson, the eighth player, a member of the Calgary Flames, spent most of this past season in Stockton with their American League affiliate. He was on the Flames playoff roster. Again, the Flames... They'll take on the Winnipeg Jets, Dylan DeMello's Winnipeg Jets Club. That's, again, Saturday, August 1st, 7.30 p.m. Go online, check out the full schedule, full slate of games for the playoffs. If you are a hockey fan, which we assume you are, if you're listening to our podcast, you will certainly get your hockey fix over the next few weeks. Exciting stuff. Good to have hockey back. In fact, I'm watching a little preseason action the Battle of Pennsylvania right now on NBCSN. We're recording on this Tuesday. Games being played right now as we speak between the Pens and the Flyers. Again, we'd like to thank Jimmy Bono for joining us on this latest episode of Cuda Confidential. And as always, my co-host, Joey Goldstein. We'll talk to everybody in a couple weeks. But until then, stay safe and enjoy the return of hockey. 